Anyway, oh, good group. Change. Uh, sometimes change is just a dirty word. You know, you see the signs around town everywhere. You know, there, there's certain locations that'll have a sign that says uh, "Stop the slaughterhouse" or something like that. There, there's. Uh, you know, I don't know where you stand on that, and that's not anything. But I do know that there's some people who say, "No, we don't want that kind of thing in our in our area." I don't know whether that's even still an issue, but uh, uh, you know that that when there's there's some folks who uh, some situations that you don't want change. We don't want change. We don't want that kind of change. There's some change that's good, and we'll welcome it, right? Throughout, throughout what we've seen in the book of Acts, there's a lot of change that is happening. God-ordained change, right? It, it, the change actually came through Jesus and his coming. That, that, such a, such a, a, a huge and wonderful change. And it came really through the death and resurrection of Jesus. If we think about it today... You know, we, we're not realizing that there was a lot of change that took place in what we do today and what we're, you know, the kind of worship, even, even affecting the worship. Uh, if we think about it, there is uh, uh, no longer do we have to bring animals to the church in order to sacrifice them and in order to receive forgiveness of our sins. That's Jesus now. Jesus did it once for all. And, and so we're thankful for that, right? I am thankful it would have been a difficult thing to, you know, before worship, I have to kill how many animals for all you people, you know? Uh, that, would, that would be an interesting service, right? Uh, uh, we don't need the slaughterhouse. It's happening at all the churches throughout town. You know, there's plenty of meat for everybody. Uh, but uh, also, you think about other changes. No longer uh, is, is it an observance of the laws that, that I would consider that's where my salvation is. You know, I, as long as I observe and keep the laws, then, then that's my salvation. That keeps me connected within God's kingdom. Instead, it is now according to the grace of God. Amazing. It's according to the grace of God. Uh, also, what we, and especially this emphasized in last week's story in Acts chapter 10, that, that now uh, the kingdom of God is not only exclusive to one nation it, it is now uh, available to all who are going to believe in Jesus and receive him as their savior right it that that message of salvation is available to all including the Gentiles raise your hand if you're a Gentile oh man there are a lot more Jews in here than I thought wow you know <laughs> no I, I so so on on this side of it we got to say, we love change. We love the change that came through uh, what God has done through Jesus, Jesus Christ, and we celebrate that. Uh, along with that, we have to say change is not easy, right? Change, change definitely is not easy. Uh, with, with change, there does come criticism or opposition to that change. And uh, even if it comes directed by God, if that change is directed by God, think about it. In the book of Exodus, uh, the children of Israel in captivity, God provides a salvation or rescue, uh, rescues them out of Egypt to take them into the promised land. And the people were joyful and praising God the whole way. No, if you know the story, it was continued complaining. Why did you take us out of Egypt? We want to go back. 
you know, we're going to just die out here. And it was, it was continuous complaining from the, the children of God. They, apparently, many of them did not care for the change, being taken out of slavery and, and uh, towards their promised land. In Acts chapter 11, 1 through 18, uh, we, if you've been with us, in chapter 10, we went through the story. So uh, after I read this passage today, I encourage you to read chapter 10. Actually, we're going to hear, hear a review of the story uh, through the verses we're going to read. But the past couple of weeks, we've been going through this story. In chapter 11, Peter goes to Jerusalem where he is uh, faced with some people who are just critical with what just happened in Caesarea and the Gentiles. That's what we're about to read. So, so let's follow along. It's Acts chapter 11 and the first 18 verses. Here's the story. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with him. Uncircumcised men, that's Gentiles. And you ate with him. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. Now here's a review of the story we've been through for the past couple of weeks. So 5 through like uh, uh, 16, we're going to hear a repeat of the story. It's a good reminder. Here's where we were. Here's where we are today in his explanation. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being, like, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And, and it, oh, I lost my place, sorry. Four corners. Man, I really lost my faith. There it is, way too low. In a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, 
Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. All right. Especially in the beginning couple of verses, we're going to focus most of our attention surrounded by that story. But there's some details I think that's really important for us here. Especially keeping our attention upon Peter. How do you handle criticism? How do you, I mean, just think about it for a moment. All of us have faced criticism in one way or another, whether in the workplace or even in the home or, or elsewhere. We've all been criticized. How do you handle it? Uh, think, think about that for a moment. How does the church, how does the church handle criticism? How should we handle criticism? I, there's some things that I, I, I want to pick up from Peter and seeing how he dealt with this. I mean, everything that happened with 10 was amazing. And then you walk away from it, and then all of a sudden you're, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Are you? Uh, some of the things, I mean, what I thought was great and, and wonderful, and, and, and that turned out well. And then all of a sudden there's, there's some backlash or, or criticism that falls on your shoulders. That's what Peter has gone through. Change, you know, with change, I think it's a, it's a right statement to say with, with change, a lot of times criticism follows. I think that happens with God a lot. Uh, matter of fact, I made the statement, whenever God brings change, criticism follows. And so that's not in every case, but definitely it's happened within this story we see in chapter 10. It's a change that's difficult, especially for those of uh, the circumcision, of those who, who came out of that Old Testament, uh, the, the nation of Israel. It, it was difficult for them. So here, here are some actions to address criticism. The first action is really simple, is to address the, uh, address the problem. Uh, address the criticism, face it. What do we know about the critics in this story? Uh, I think it's important to note, first of all, number one, in verse one, it says that this story that happened in chapter 10 that we know, we probably know more detail than anybody else, but this story or the content of this story made it all the way to Jerusalem before Peter was ever there. Uh, we're familiar with news, and news then didn't travel internet or anything like that. Of course, it, it traveled through word of mouth. But the, the message actually passed by word of mouth all the way to Jerusalem. So those in Jerusalem had plenty of time to discuss it. Remember, Peter, after Cornelius and, and that whole household came to know the Lord, they spent some time, some days, we don't know how long, but they spent some days in, in teaching uh, and, and helping Cornelius in their beginnings in Christ and so there was time spent there so he gave time for the message to make it to Jerusalem and they sat down and they discussed it and and amongst the discussion there were some who were disgusted with the whole situation right there's some people who just weren't happy with what they were hearing now in the in the passage it does says it does say this that what they were hearing is that the Gentiles had received the word of God that's what happened, Caesarea. And that, it, 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 of course, was an abbreviated story or maybe parts of the story. You know how, how a message could go from all the way from Caesarea and to Jerusalem and what shape it might take by the time it, it arrives in Jerusalem. Who knows whether it was accurate or not, right? But at least they came to this point that, hey, Peter is presenting the word of God to the Gentiles. And so... What about their identity, the identity of those who are critical? Luke, in our passage, calls them the circumcision party. 
They're kind of identified the same way that the six eyewitnesses who went with Peter to Caesarea uh, were identified in, and I think it was verse 15 uh, in chapter 10, where they were called, they're identified as believers among the circumcised. The same identity. So we're, we're looking at people who have received Jesus, but they're absolutely Jews. They're absolutely Jews. I mean, they've been circumcised. They, they've, they continue to embrace the, the purity rituals and other, or not rituals, but laws and, and other things that have been laid out. Matter of fact, those, they're holding to those traditions. Those are important to them. Matter of fact, that marked their relationship with God. That, these, were the, these were the things that identified them with their relationship with God. It was important to them. And when they heard the message that the Gentiles are receiving it, uh, they had questions and problems. And, and let's think about Peter. Peter did too. Peter did too in chapter 10. He had to have an object lesson from God. Don't forget that. The sheet came down three times. Hey, Peter, kill any. No, <laughs> no way. I've never done that. I've, no, that's not me. That's, you know, because, again, that's my relationship with God is, is even according to the things I eat. But, but God said, I mean, the, the voice said, kill and eat. And he said, no, I don't do that. And then the message came three times. Three times that, that everyone needs to hear is that, hey, what God has called clean or common, or what God has made clean, uh, don't call it uncommon. Don't call it unclean. That's the message that this group needs to hear. Peter had to learn that lesson before he would even leave with these Gentiles and go speak to the Gentiles. What's interesting in this passage is the fact that Peter doesn't run from conflict. I, I know what conflict is. I've, I've faced conflict before. And I know what I, my gut feeling is duck and run, you know, it, it, it's to get out of there, is avoid conflict at all possible. That, that, that Peter, I don't think, was in, in debate or anything like that, uh, but Peter didn't run from conflict. I think that's important to note. Um, what these people need, needed was to understand. Do you think Peter had that in his mind? Man, if you, if you saw the vision that I had. If you saw the object lesson that I had, then you would come to understanding. I think it's important right here just to say, you know, we're the church. We're the church, and the church exists all over. You know, we're not the only church there. And, and when I talk about the church, you might find yourself questioning some of the things that the church is doing, and that's okay. That's okay. You might find yourself critical and joining with others who are critical. What do you do about that? You, you, bring your, you bring your question, you bring your criticism to those who lead or leading. You could bring it to me. You could bring it to the elders. place where you need to have understanding of what we're doing according to the scriptures. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, in part, we're, I mean, we're ready to throw stones at anybody that's critical what's going on. But questioning is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Hey, we heard maybe once a year or certain times. And, and then when you come and we take communion, hey, we say, man, if you are in Christ, you could join with us. There's others who say, no, it's ours and you can't share. Or we don't share it with you. 
That's just the way communion is in, in various churches. So, so you might have questions concerning maybe some things you've experienced. And my encouragement, please ask questions. Would you please? <laughs> I, I always told my kids or even someone new in Christ, I said, ask questions. It's one of my greatest uh, encouragements to people who are new to Christ. You know, when, when a question comes up or you see something that, 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 that's troubling to you, ask questions. And don't take pat answers, okay? Don't take, I mean, be satisfied with the answer, especially if you're able to see it within the scriptures and what we're, we're, what we're moving and working according to. Secondly, yeah, the first action, again, is to, to address that problem. Uh, the second action is to defend the, the change carefully. Is de- Here's what Peter did. Peter defended his action. And, and when a question's presented, we need to answer it and answer it. Qu- uh, not, like I said, not, not with pat answers and things like that, but, but to defend, defend that action and to do it in order. I, I, I really caught on to the, the word that's used, and it's it, it, easy to pass over, but in verse, um, uh, it, it's in verse, let's see, 3. No, you know, four, excuse me. Peter began and explained it to them in order. In order. Uh, the New American Standard Version actually translates that word this way, orderly sequence. Uh, looking into the word, it could actually mean he tells it precisely. I think, I think he went in with an intentional, I'm going to lay out this story. I'm not going to leave anything out. That kind of idea. Because the story was important. Here's why the story was important. We're not going to review the story. We've heard it for the past couple weeks. But here's some important keys that Peter brings up in the story. Number one, uh, he he reveals to them in his story that this is God-directed. How important is that? This, what what happened, what you're hearing about, this was directed by God. In verse 9, that's where Peter learned the lesson. And, and what was the lesson? Oh, what God has made clean, do not call unclean. What God has made clean, we, we've heard that. And we need to be reminded, what God has called clean, do not call unclean. That's the message that Peter learned. That was a message directed by God. And he shared that. He also shared in verse 14 that, that uh, uh, Cornelius... He sent an angel to Cornelius, you know, the, the uncircumcised Cornelius. He sent an angel to Cornelius and told Cornelius to go get Peter. Why? Because Peter was to declare a message by which you will be saved. Okay, again, in both situations, this is obviously God-directed. This is coming from God. If it's coming from God, that makes a difference, right? If, if the message is coming from God... What am I to do but act? And he did. He went to Caesarea and he began to preach. Uh, And the message was shortened because the Holy Spirit filled filled those who were listening. Filled filled Cornelius, filled his friends, and filled all the servants. They all received the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. And so, wow, what happened there? It, It was God's approval, not only God's direction, but now they see God's approval. The Gentiles are accepted. Peter's response is, is amazing. You know, what he said, what, what, what keeps us from baptizing these people? 
I know they're Gentiles, and thus they've been unclean all these years. But now look, what we received at the beginning, back, he's talking about Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, when we received the Holy Spirit, we, we reacted the same way. Look at the Gentiles, now they're reacting the same way. They've received the Holy Spirit. And then what is amazing, the question that he asks, don't, don't miss this, the question that he asks that cannot be answered. In verse 17, he says, who am I to stand in God's way? <laughs> who, who am I to stand in God's way? I mean, Peter's important, right? But Peter is a man, he's important only because of what God has done, what Jesus, you know, selected him. Uh, he has this great opportunity to declare the gospel message everywhere. And, and, and now... God is directing him. Who, who is he to say no to God? Uh, he's, he's not that person. He's not that important. He needs to follow the direction of God. And with that, there was no answer back. Listen, when there is change, it's vital for us to see if it's from God. If, if there comes change, or matter of fact... Uh, like what the elders are doing here recently, they're reviewing everything that we're doing. It says, are we following what we need to be doing, what we're called to? How are we accomplishing our purpose as a church? I love where we are with our elders right now, kind of what they're doing. They're reviewing what we're doing. And they're asking this question, how can we do that better? How can we foster the family better? Okay, how can we help you grow what what things do we need to change to help you grow in your relationship with Christ because that's where we all are ought to be right I want to know Jesus I want to be challenged matter of fact I, I want to know is there something within me that needs to be changed and arranged God help me grow so we want to be a part of that if, if we're not helping you grow we're failing we are failing as a church we're failing in our purpose so we're asking, how do we do that better? Matter of fact, one of the questions coming up, how do we, how do we uh, add more to, to the family? How do we increase, how do we spread that gospel message? You know, how are we doing in that? We look at it and we say, man, we could do better. I think that's our uh, kind of response with everything we do. Is we could do that a whole lot better. We could train our people. How, how do you talk, talk uh, to someone else about Jesus? How do you set those up? And, and so uh, we want to be able to, to, to move forward, maybe with some other ideas and, and, and ways of moving, and, and then be able to apply what we're doing, absolutely apply what we're doing by Scripture. We know what we're supposed to be doing by Scripture. So how can we do that better? That ought, as a church, isn't that what we ought to be doing? Let's not just do the same thing every week. Anybody with me? I just don't want to do the same thing every week. Just, we'll come here, we'll worship. You go home, you go work. You go do the stuff you do all week long. We come back here, we worship. And then you go back home, you do what you want to do. And, you know, you, you fill it. Yeah. And we'll come back and we'll worship. That's not why Jesus died. You know what I'm saying? That's not why he died on the cross. There's people that you're, you're, you're with every week who does not know that forgiveness is available. I know there's, I've ran into so many people who say, oh, but you don't know what I've done. There's great answers to that. Yeah, and, and with that, I say, but you don't know our Savior, Jesus. You don't know what Jesus has done. So he has forgiven through his blood. His blood, his death is that 
powerful to overcome all your sinfulness. Wouldn't that be a great conversation that, that you could be a part of? Finally, move on and follow God's direction. You know, here, so, so we see Peter, he addresses it. He defends by just absolutely carefully laying out the story. And then, then there is that point where you move on and you follow God's direction. Uh, this is important. Uh, look, look what happens at the end of the story here. Uh, first of all, the critics are silenced. They just become silent. They, they had no response to, to that, uh, what am I to do? Who am I to, to stand in God's way? We ought to ask ourselves that question every once in a while. Who am I to stand in God's way? I want to be a part of this. I don't want to be against this. So, so uh, they are silenced. And right after this, is, and then they break into praise. They, they break into glorifying God. Why? Uh, when they heard these things, they were, fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has gathered, uh, has granted repentance that leads to life. Salvation has come uh, to the Gentiles. Truth is declared. Man, truth is something. When, when you're living according to the truth, that again, we'll talk about that foundation. The foundation you stand upon is encouraging. Man, it, 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 there's, there's no better place. And then when the storms comes, it, it, it doesn't change things. You stand solid and, and, and you know truth. Truth is, is, is so valuable. And we need to understand and know that Gentiles are included. Now, I would say for now, things look really good at the end of, of verse 18. But if we were to move forward to, to Acts chapter 15, let me read you the first verse. First verse of chapter 15 says, But some men, this is in Antioch. Well, and this is Paul, later on Paul and Barnabas are part of this. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Not true, right? Not true. Continued trouble? Absolutely. And, and we continue to face untruths and false teaching and other things within the church uh, all the time. Now, there, there's something that I, I think I neglected to, to make a point. No, or, or did I? The, the one point I, I do want to say, when it comes to dealing with, with questions and things like that, I let you know that, that we as a church were run by elders and ministers and, and we, we can be wrong. I'm sorry. I might be looking for another job next week. So, you know, we can, we can be wrong. We can, so so in, when I encourage you about that questioning or asking, we, we need your help, right? We need you to hold us to be acting according to the scriptures, always. We need you to ask us because not all not, not all proposed changes, not, not everything that we're doing according to the church is right. Just because you put church on it, oh, everything they're doing is right. Don't, don't fall into that. And I'm talking about the church as a whole everywhere and even here. Not everything we're doing as a church can be right. That's why I think it's important for those elders to be examining and saying, uh, what are we doing? Can we do it better? And we make those adjustments 
Because when we are doing what God wants us to do, I think that's where we find the passion. That's where I think we find the eagerness to fulfill what God wants me to be doing, each one of us to be doing and, and, and to be involved in, right? Sorry, I missed that. Let me, let me move on to this. There is going to be trouble later. We know trouble is going to come. Our choice is to act according to what God, how God is directed. I, I want to end with just an example that's been happening within our congregation over the past, I'd say even several years. That, and I, th I think there's been criticism involved in some of this, you know, little critical things, not any uprising or, or something like that, but it's something that we've been doing along with other churches. We have been joining in ministry with uh, several other churches within our community. We've been joining with Flint Hills and Legacy and Naz, Church of the Naz, and, and uh, so many churches that we've done uh, different things with. You know, this just this past year, uh, something we've done for several years is, is worship in the park. When we started doing that. Now, in doing worship in the park, that's, that's over Freedom Fest, uh, or it used to be Sundown Salute, around that 4th of July weekend. What we had to do to do that, though, was we, we had to lock our doors. And we didn't come here to worship. And I think originally there was some trouble with that. Because every Sunday, those doors should be unlocked. And you should be sitting in the pews, and I should be standing up here. You know, because that's church. But what we've done in the past several years is we've joined together in a community of believers. And I, I, I will tell you absolutely there is nothing more pleasing to God where we, we see the, the barriers are broken down, and we worship together with other believers. We're not the only believers in the community. I know you know that's true. I mean, there's brothers and sisters all over the community. And we have the opportunity to join together in the park. I, I believe that's a day where God is pleased by the unity he sees, the uniting together. From that, we've done some other things. Even this summer, uh, I think earlier that part of the summer, we went out and canvassed the whole uh, Junction City, I think Grandview Plaza area with uh, evangelistic pa packets. We did that with like several different churches were a part of that. And every door, maybe you had a door that had some evangelistic packet on it. I don't know, a track and some other things in it. Uh, that was the first thing we've ever done evangelistic-wise. I mean, that was the purpose. I do believe our joining together and being together has, has a message to this community, though. Uh, when when uh, at the end of this month, it's not in the bulletin, we failed... I failed to remind Trish to, hey, put this in the bulletin. It is uh, the Service Sunday. We've done this for the past several years. What is Service Sunday? Service Sunday is where we, again, lock the doors. And we don't come in here to worship. But we join with several other, I think five congregations are going to be involved this year. And we meet at Rayther uh, Ball Field. And uh, it, it's going to be this year, 830 at 8.30 at the stadium, we'll, we'll go up in the bleachers. Eric's going to lead us in a couple of worship songs. And then there's going to be a, a, a message given. So we're going to have a worship service there, about 30 minutes. And then 9 o'clock, we, we have already num just a, a great number of projects that we're going to go out. There's residential pro projects for some older folks in our area. There are projects for uh, uh, like, like uh, painting painting the stands there at the stadium, lots of painting projects. I'll, I'll let you know right now. So if you're a painter, 
and, and you plan to be a part of this, uh, be prepared. Uh, so there's a lot of painting projects, repair projects, building projects, things like that going on uh, here a couple of weeks, September 24th. September 20th, write that down. It's not in your bulletin. We will really be promoting this next week. Hope to have a table up and maybe you could begin to, to identify and, and uh, uh, be prepared for what project you're going to be in, involved in. It's a different kind of worship. What we're saying that worship is, yeah, we're going to sing some songs, we're going to hear a message, but we're going to go out as light, as, as the light of Jesus Christ into our community. Again, you know, the critical part might be, this is church. This is, this is church. What we're doing right here, when we're sitting in the pews and we're singing songs, we listen to message, we get to home, eat lunch, and take a nap. That's church, right? But I, I tell you what, when we get outside our walls and we're with, we're with other brothers and sisters in Christ, what is, think about this, what is that saying to the community? And what opportunity, because there's some people that we connect with who more than likely they don't go to church because they're at home. And we could ask them, hey, by the way, do you know Jesus? <laughs> what a great worship. I'd love for you guys to be a part of that. Again, September 24th, next week, uh, I hope to, to enlist the missions team as a part of this to, to help us organize and get some people uh, on our list. We'll have that ready for next week. Listen, we'll, we'll review this real quick. Uh, here's what we went through. Peter did it well. Peter did it well. He can't change every mind, but the way he addressed it, he, he, he definitely um, addressed the problem. He didn't run away from it. Remember to do that. Don't run away from, from a problem. If you have a question, don't, don't ignore it. Don't stuff it in. You know, ask. That's beneficial both to you and, and to the leadership. That's beneficial to us both. And then, then when it comes to defending or answering those questions, do it and do it well. Don't, no pack question. Open the scripture and say, here's our focus. What do you think? This is, this is how we intend to see it uh, played out. This is what we're hoping, what are the connections we want to make. It's where we see people finding Jesus. And then we, you know, after, after all is done in that, you know, the criticism, criticism is just going to continue. It's, critics will continue to come. And you just move on. You continue to move in the direction that God leads. Isn't that, isn't that right? We want to continue to move in the direction that God leads us to. There's no better way to be honoring of God than to be listening to what he says. How are we doing? How are we doing? Are we ready? Are we ready? Man, I want some challenging things laid before us. Some challenging, that, that, that you're going, what? And then where I could just look in the scripture and say, here's where it is. And then we could be excited about it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. Lord, that's what, it is because of Jesus we have gathered here this morning. We know some, some truths about that, that, that we are your people. That, Father, that you have claimed us as your children. And it is absolutely through that blessed, precious blood of Jesus, his cleansing blood, 
And we thank you for that. Therefore, uh, Lord, we, we thank you for your church. That, that, Lord, we have the opportunity to grow together and to, to question, to, to find answers, to, to sharpen, and, and to have our focus upon your kingdom. To pray it out loud. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Lord, to have that dwelling in our hearts. And, and for our intents and purposes to be aligned with yours and not the other way around. God, you are so good and you're deserving our praise and we give it to you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.